0: Welcome everyone to Northview's extra podcast. This is episode number 205. Well on our way to 300.
1: Are you okay, Ed? So <laughs> like you let the arrow. <laughs> It's a long ways, buddy.
0: Andy's here.
1: I'm here.
0: Jeff is here. <laughs> Good morning.
2: Greg is here. Hi. It can might I, not be morning. Can I just when add something really quickly what? before we pass on Greg. I'm looking at his computer right now, and his computer has size 30 font. are oh, you he's like an old man? Size 30 font, and he's been wearing bu- button-down collared like polo shirts recently. Yeah, that's what I'm wearing. What's wrong I'm, with that? How old are you? But you, but
1: 52. <laughs> See, that's what we're trying to same.
2: say. Same, same. We're same. So Greg reads really big font, and he wears the same shirts as you. Okay. I just want to say, is that cool now? No. Why do you think that I'm cool?
3: supposed to be like the the, the You're marker the for cool? Hey,
2: actually, <laughs> Andy's the, the cool marker mark. for cool. He is. He's so hot right now. Andy is so <laughs> hot. Guys, right he's right the biggest though. thing in his mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> you know, when the last time I was on 100 Huntley Street. <laughs> Never, dude. He is so hot right now. You, you can just touch
3: something.
1: Go <laughs> How did your
0: Huntley Street thing go?
1: I'll, maybe I'll touch you when these did days, you, Drake.
2: <laughs> did you get interviewed on Huntley Street? Whoa, whoa. Easy. Uh, easy, Andy. Hopefully, that just kind of went. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it did. That reminds
1: me of a tweet. Actually, I won't. Oh, I won't. I, I won't go there. How did? Any how, rate, one hundred Huntley you? Street went great. Jim, I heard, Jim I heard, Cantillon interviewed me.
3: I heard you have an open invitation.
1: I do, actually. I do To, it to went, come back any time well. Any time I want to fly Five hours to Toronto and they'll, they'll
0: pay your way though, and put you up in a hotel Absolutely not oh. <laughs> <laughs> did, they,
1: did they this
2: time They paid my hotel And my uh, nice. rental car For those of nice. you listening Because uh, I don't know What 100 Huntley Street 100, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know What 100 Huntley Street is So could you tell us What 100 Huntley Street is
1: well, interestingly enough, at the no, no, address, so I just want actually? the answer
2: to the question. I don't need a story involved in it. I just need to answer to the question.
1: <laughs> right. So, interestingly enough, <laughs> there is no 100, there is no Huntley Street. I, I never turned onto a Huntley Street. Were
2: you, were you looking for it? The I really was.
1: I was. Wouldn't GPS. that make sense? <laughs> wouldn't that make sense? I'm looking for like 100 Huntley Street. That well, no. would make sense. Yeah. You know what? That would actually be really nice to know, but I have no idea why it's called that because it's not on Huntley Street. Okay. Hey, Darcy, did that answer the question I asked? Not at all. Okay. But good. Let's try for the third good time. Good avoidance. I have no idea. <laughs> the, the ministry is called Crossroads, hmm. and what you see when you but turn on... But what is it? <laughs> so people oh, who are listening, what Oh, is you're it? asking a legit question. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I'm sorry. I just don't take Jeff seriously any longer.
2: It is a TV broadcast. So you were on television. Yes. Did you wear makeup?
1: I did, actually. I <laughs> uh, a lot of
2: makeup. Did you? Did yeah, well, because I'm bald, man.
1: That's did a it? lot of bald to cover. That is a lot of... Ba- like, the lady laughed as she began to powder <laughs> the top of my head. That's, that's not a good Because they've
0: never yeah. had bald guests before.
1: Well, I just don't think... Not you broke who...
2: some new ground. Yeah. And not there's... someone who's this hot right now. Exactly. That, there's a true. lot of sheen so on
1: this right bad now. boy. <laughs> All right? I get a halo effect going on. Ezra knows what I'm talking about. Look at him right now.
0: Yeah, true. Thank Ezra is here. So you
2: deadened the... They deadened the baldness. They did. And you go on the on the on the show. Do you sit in two uh, cushy leather chairs or directors' chairs or <laughs> what did you sit in?
1: Well, they have a number of different uh, uh, sets. They have a number of different sets there, and then so they have. Did a you set. go to the,
2: the moon set? Is that the way <laughs> I you know, run? right?
1: <laughs> it's the love set <laughs> with the love seat. <laughs> Glad you're uh, finding this amusing. And uh, so you sit there and then they do either like a 12 to 18 minute interview and the part though... Is on, there a live studio audience? Normally there is. But they didn't do that with me. Why? Because... He's so hot right now. <laughs> they Exactly. Might.
3: If they brought them in there, people would melt.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, they were actually doing a fundraiser at the time so they snuck me in uh, because uh, normally they didn't film at that time but that was when I was there so they... So are you part of the fundraising? No. So... That you know of. <laughs> there was something interesting here that I was going to... Oh, yeah, what's interesting and quite disturbing. Did you look at the as camera they have at monitors. any time
2: and say, this is Andy Steiger, give to 100 Huntley Street? Well, they asked and me to we... do
1: that a couple of times. but <laughs> So when you're being interviewed, there are these giant monitors, though, mm-hmm. that, have, that they're showing you what's being filmed. Mm. And so it's quite distracting and disturbing, because as mm. you're trying to talk to this individual about your book, you see this... This huge TV screen with your face on it, and so you want to look at it, and then but you want to look back at this other guy, and then you want to look back. You at want that. to just keep looking <laughs> at yourself. Wait a minute! But oh, back, it's so back distracting. truck up here.
0: Creak. You have a book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are unbelievable. The amount of flogging
4: that I have received over this book.
0: Well, speaking of flogging, Kyle, just you wait, had a question. Kyle, Kyle is here too. And Jeremy,
4: I Google Hello. Google mapped Google Earth, Hundred Huntley Street, and it puts you right down in the middle of an intersection with the Swiss. Chalet at the corner. Did you eat there?
1: There, that is a lie. Oh, <laughs> from the pit. <laughs> there is no mean? Swiss chalet there. And I'll let you know.
4: There's well, a no Swiss chalet there. He's at 79. Oh, is that is that 100? Yeah. For 100. It's Hulley. in the middle of an of, a, of an intersection.
1: Evidently. You know what? I'm guessing that's where it's probably started. Maybe, but Bring no, that, that is intersection, no chalet. that. This place was in the middle of nowhere, so I have no idea. Kyle just showed me his computer screen
2: of the Google image, and I have no idea what that. So, was. where, when is this going to air for all of our mm-hmm. listening audience?
1: Yeah, for all of you that are at home at two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and have nothing better to do than watch One Hundred Holly Street, it's uh, sometime at the end of June, and we'll we'll let people know for sure. On what I'm channel? I'm sure you guys won't let me forget. I have no idea. Joy, I would guess is, Joy. Is TV. Is it Joy TV? Does it? Do you come? Do right. you come on before Google. or oh. after
2: Creflo Dollar? <laughs> <laughs> We're actually not at the same time, Jeff.
0: (laughs) All right. I'm going to leave now and lick my wound. (laughs) Well, this, uh, this email is titled, Where is the Love? It says, Hi, Extra Team. Since I've begun listening to the Extra podcast, I've benefited greatly from the deep theological discussions you engage in week after week. I have also particularly enjoyed the witty banter that goes on between the team and the ways in which Jeff and others poke fun at each other. So Some people more like witty what than we another. just did yeah. to you. People yeah, like thanks.
2: that. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See, I'm just giving the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> However, over the
0: past several months, I've noticed that you guys have begun picking more and more on Mr. Rendell. Whether he deserves oh, the ridicule or not is arguable. Nevertheless, I was wondering if any or all of you had anything nice to say about Norfew's coolest intern. Well, it uh, seems...
2: here's what I've got to say about
3: him. <laughs>
5: No, actually, no. John Randall
3: actually, John Randall actually just came in
2: the room. So,
3: look, I'm here,
2: cause I just think it's a cool thing in the world that I'm here. It's good to have you here, John. That's not a problem. Not a problem.
0: <laughs> so I gotta tell you, John, this this email comes the the yeah. Who, big, who did send this email? Well, it it's called Biggest Fan, and it says and and the email address. Is Rendell's number one fan at hotmail.com.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of those female dresses around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this email goes on saying, "It seems a little bullyish to continuously pick on someone of a lesser position, authoritatively in the church, without ever saying anything uplifting about him." WWJD? I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. So, so Andy, you are you
1: are in charge of John Rendell. Yeah, John is my. You want to see something in- nice about him, so we just
0: get that over with.
1: John's my intern. Well, with look young at adults. him when you say it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> look him in the
1: eyes. John is a fabulous intern. The guy, uh, the guy's great. Man. You keep turning away from his yeah. eyes.
3: Look, look you know deeply. What? From what I've seen about Rendell, he just will work
1: and then... Do you know what, though? I do got to say just something. Just once. I got to say something about Rendell. Here it goes. I, uh, some young adults came to me recently, and they told me that my next intern, that they were upset with John, my intern. Rendell. Yeah, Rendell. Yeah. And I asked, well, why are you upset with him? It's because he's engaged. And so the young adult lady said, next intern you get needs to be single man. So...
0: There it is. There it is. That's the criteria. It is. Okay. The ladies
5: like you,
1: John.
0: You did say something nice about him, though, to me in a staff meeting today. Really? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you sure that was me? I, well, I thought you know, it was you. I, I, you would say, that a
2: good." No, what I appreciate about John Rendell is he's got a really good head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> he does.
0: I'd appreciate that. That's all you if got. He was here.
2: No, he's got some he's got some good head of hair.
0: You you said he's a he's a great MC. He's he's great at uh
1: at, you said he's great preaching. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's actually a fabulous preacher, an amazing musician, fabulous singer, and he even shaved his head. He's in on honor YouTube, of right? Being my intern.
2: So if you YouTube John Rendell, no Jonathan we'll James, Heroes. Jonathan James Rendell? No, just Jonathan James. Just Jonathan James. Just you James. can see Andy's uh, intern uh, singing. You know, all he, kinds of he stuff, actually was in a legit band. Like Was it called Titus? I believe
1: Signed in and Everything. And no, it was called Hollywood Heroes. And uh, they were legit.
2: It's, it's, it was Sorry, actually that's called Philemon. Right. <laughs> <That's laughs> no, Titus uh, was Johnny, Johnny Markin's band, band yeah. when he was, I think, like 18, 16, 17, think. 18 years old. Titus! <laughs>
3: Here's, here's, here's some Jonathan oh. James.
4: On a lonely day, I look out Is on the freeway. That's enough. <laughs> Dude,
0: he's, so, good.
4: Yeah, he's, he's, a, great he's yeah, a great he singer. He's a great singer. So, John,
0: we do love we love you. him. You know, but we Jeff, love you, that guy. you mentioned this before. It's a Canadian thing that we mock the people we tend to love.
2: It, well, it's not just Canadian; it's actually quite British. And, and, and I think and the yeah. Canadians have followed suit. So, if you go to Australia or New Zealand or any of the many of the Commonwealth countries, uh, India as well, right? The more you like somebody, the more you pick on them. So, we pick on John Rendell because we like him. Yeah. I pick on you guys because I like you. You pick on me because I like you. If you didn't ever pick on me, I'd feel a little bit weird. I you, would.
0: You pick on <laughs> well, us why don't because you, pick on you like you. What do you Is that what in, I said? No.
2: said I pick on you him. because he likes oh. us. <laughs> I pick on you because I like me. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah.
0: Okay, let's uh, get on to some questions here. Uh, we have a number, and and please keep sending in the questions. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. Number one, Rendell's number, number one fan. Uh, yeah, thanks you for the stop. email. You don't have to send us anymore. <laughs> that was that was all the love and John's gonna get. Okay, uh, uh, but if you have any uh, emails that you or questions you want to send, send them to, uh, what is it again? Extra at Oh, dear. <laughs> got flustered. <laughs> this one's called Sheep and Goats. In this past week's sermon, who preached? Jeff. Jeff and Ezra. Jeff and Ezzie. Same passage? Yep. Okay, so one of you's got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> In this past week's sermon, we heard some extreme words from Jesus regarding our care for other Christians. What does this look like practically? There are always other Christians in need somewhere in the world, so how could we justify ever spending money on ourselves or our own families? Every cup of coffee or family vacation could be money given to other Christians. I know this sounds extreme, but aren't Jesus' words extreme? If failure to take care of other Christians means we are going to hell, then it would seem we are all going to hell because we bought the latest iPad. (coughs) I've left every one of these Jesus said what? sermons. Fearing my profession of faith is useless because I don't give enough, love Jesus enough, or take care of others enough. I wish I would just love Jesus the most, but at the end of the day I still find myself
2: wanting or even buying that latest gadget." So uh, my quick response to that is, is, is it possible for us to make a distinction between, uh, uh, what, between what you do at every single moment and the normal pattern of your life? You could have a normal pattern of your life and not do the same thing all the time. Does that make sense? I actually think that Jesus is, is referring to a normal pattern of your life. What, what is indicative about you? Are you the kind of person who responds to the needs of other Christians when they run across your doorstep? One of the reasons I quoted <clears throat> Kevin DeYoung in, uh, in my sermon uh, when I was summarizing what the passage was about, when he said that uh, that people, if we're too, too, I think he said something like too lazy to, uh, if somebody is too lazy, too uh, busy, too whatever, to help other Christians in need who come across their doorstra- doorstep, doesn't matter what they profess, they're actually going to hell. That, that was kind of his summary. I love that phrase, when they come across your doorstep. That I don't, I don't think. I think proximity has something to do with what we're responsible for. It, it it does, but there should be a normal pattern of our lives where we are sacrificially giving for the work of the Lord. That does not mean that you can't buy a TV. It doesn't mean you can't buy a car. It doesn't mean that you can't buy a house. But it may it influence what, what you buy. But it should influence what we buy. Or Whether or not car, what kind like of car kind of is the normal pattern of our life is that, that we're living in a in a sort of a simplicity to use John Piper's image, which I think is really helpful, a wartime lifestyle, hmm. and so that we are sacrificially giving so that the so that we can give as much as we can to the Lord and His work, helping other Christians in particular or helping the gospel go forth in other lands. So I, I don't know, I mean, here, what everybody wants in these kind of discussions is quantify it for me, quantify it for me, I, give, me the, give me the law, give me the exact words, that, and I, I'm, I can't give that to you. What I can give is questions about your heart and about the nature of your, uh, your commitments and how they work themselves out when, when you are confronted with um, needs in the world. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody somebody Jesus is not saying that only those people who who faithfully obey me perfectly are going to be in the kingdom. That's not what he says. Uh but it, it should be people who are working out their professions in their lives at with regularity. Is that is that broad enough a brush for me to So one one thing to talk about here was that Jesus said
0: what series the whole series sure. What was, the, what was the point of doing that series? Like like this fellow or person said, I don't know who it is, you know, I left everyone fearing my profession of faith is useless because I don't give enough, love Jesus enough, right. or take care of other needs enough.
2: Yeah, so they're all warnings, most of them, right? Most of the stuff, especially recently, when Kyle did the Lord, Lord, you don't do what I say. Uh, Greg did one on um, the Jews who believed in Jesus, But didn't have room for his word, which is very similar, by the way. Those two ideas are very similar. Uh, I did the one on the sheep and the goats, and they're all warnings. That's what that's what they're there for—is to try to to warn you. Uh, I will say that if you are frightened, then you are heeding the warning, aren't you? Isn't that the whole goal? So I'll use an image I've used before. Uh, You know who's who's gonna who's gonna follow who's gonna obey the sign on a steep. Uh, on a road that's on the, a steep cliff. So there are road signs along these steep, you know, road that goes right along, along the cliff. And it might the road sign might be slow down around, the, you know, 20 Ks around this corner because it's a tight one. The people who are going to obey the road signs, the warning signs, are the people who actually are good drivers. So the bad drivers just, just won't, and they will prove their carelessness by going over the cliff. Right. So this is a I, to me this is a good image for how you, I understand most of the warning passages in the Bible, as being one of God's ordained means to keep people in the faith. So what should happen when I preach a sermon like this this weekend, or when Kyle does his sermon on Lord, Lord, don't, but you don't do what I say? These are warning passages. What should be the effect? Fear. There should be concern in your heart, and the presence of concern, the presence of conviction, responded to properly which is that lord examine my life and i can see the places where i haven't done well help me do better that that kind of right. repentance and faith is proof that you're actually one of his
0: but fear alone isn't no proof of that No, it's, it's it fear isn't. that leads but to but i something. get
2: really concerned but i do darcy i get concerned if some if somebody came to me and said well i, I you know whatever yeah. i don't care what jesus said Oh dear that's mm-hmm. when i start getting really concerned for you because i'm like well that's to me a hardened heart mm-hmm. and that's the great danger. But people who often walk away and think, oh Lord, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to be somebody who stands before you and professes Lord, Lord, but didn't actually follow you. Show me, Lord. If there's any place in me, if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Show me. And I thank you for your spirit forgiveness of Christ. We don't Obviously, the gospel is, is free. The, Jesus forgives us. He, just, he welcomes us back at every moment that we want to turn and repent. Every moment, have mercy on me, a sinner. I said that this week. That's that's the gospel, it. And but to keep coming back to him and claiming that over and over again, because of the warning passages, is exactly what the warning passages are intended to do. Right. Good. Somebody else want to
4: jump jump in on that? <laughs> yeah. A phrase that I like to keep in mind with this whole topic is that we want to rest forward. That there's two. There's a tension here that the that the um, person writing the email brings up is how do our activities relate to our profession or our beliefs. Well, we want to rest forward. We want to rest in what Christ has done for us in that relationship. And because we rest in the confidence of that relationship, we can move forward. We can obey. We can do. Um, so the passage that I preach at the end of Luke 6, um, Jesus says, you know, those who, who come to me and hear my words, there's that resting. We want to know who Christ <coughs> is. We want to come to him. We want to rest in that relationship with him. Um, then we, we do what he says. So we, we move forward in that.
3: And I think the series in general was chosen to show that Jesus says things like warnings, right? He he gives warnings to people that are listening to him. He says crazy things that we don't always attribute to Jesus saying. And so we wanted, I think the the preaching team wanted to give a picture of Jesus where he's not just a one-dimensional, he's only this kind of person. He's a He's going to bust open our categories of who we think mm-hmm. Jesus is in every area. He's kinder than we think he is. He's more severe than we think he is. He's, he's, all, he's more everything than we actually think he is. And so that means we have to take time. And sometimes we just won't get to some of these passages if we only go through books of the Bible. And so we take a more thematic approach and yeah. say, let's just look at crazy things Jesus said.
2: It, you know, it, it, it's been a, an attempt in, in shock and awe, mm-hmm. to be honest, Last year we went through a series on um, called "Behold Your God," where we talked about the God of the Old Testament, and He's kind of wild is the language that I was using at that point. You know, He sends lying spirits in the mouths of prophets and does crazy things like uh, killing, kills Canaanites, and these are images that have tried. We've tried to erase from who He is, and usually the way that people try to do that is they're, (laughs) they're willing to say, even in the church today, yeah, okay. I get that. You always like that, a bit wild and crazy. But Jesus, mm. Jesus is not like that. Jesus is kind. Jesus is sweet, right? A book just came out recently saying that we need to reinterpret the whole Bible according to Jesus, the way that God is per- portrayed in Jesus. And I, I'm actually not all that, un- un- I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that to some degree. It's just that the say? way that they <laughs> portray Jesus is this kind of mealy-mouthed, you know, Yeah. So what do they do Prom with these queen, passages? And I, I, so, well, they try to do away with them. They, they want to make it sound different. They try to redefine what, what uh, judgment looks like or mm-hmm. redefine what, um, yeah, is, is his judgment retributive or is his judgment restorative? And um, in fact, that's one of my weaknesses of the illustration that I used about my mom this weekend, right? When she mm-hmm. kicks me out of the car, it's a restorative judgment. And I didn't go into this, I had a whole section of my sermon that I was yeah. going to include to try to show the difference. Jesus actually, when he judges the sheep and the goats, it's a retributive deal. Mm. right? When, he judges, when God judges Achan in the Old Testament, that's retributive. When, when uh, Ananias and Sapphira get it, that's retributive. What do you mean by retributive? Yeah. Retributive means a payback, meaning th- and that, that it, you cannot erase from the biblical record the idea of retributive judgment, that God retributes against those who have wronged him.
0: Right.
2: So that's, that's part of it. And, and that's something Jesus does. So when you go to Revelation 19 and he, he invites, the angel invites all, hey, come to the great supper of God. Oh, what are we eating? Well, the flesh of kings. The flesh of everybody, really. The birds are going to come and they're going to feast on the flesh of those who have stood over against him because the sword from his mouth is going to slay them. What? That's, I mean, yeah. But that's Jesus. Yeah. And that's what he that's who he is, and that's part of he's the judge who's going to judge in righteousness. And so we need to include this in our conception of him or for fear that we're not actually worshiping him rightly yeah. and for fear that maybe you've just created your own one. Right. right. And that when you stand before him, you'll be like, it won't be him who says, I didn't know you. You're gonna be like, I don't know who you are.
0: Yeah.
2: And he'll he'll say, That's right. <laughs> You don't. So when people
0: try to create their own Jesus, is that why, especially in sermon series like this, those of you guys that preach will, I'm guessing, get more confrontational emails Without from people a doubt.
2: saying, how dare you say that? Or Yeah, this you know, series, more than most I've ever dealt with, have we've gotten more pushback from people. Because I think it's, which is interesting to me, and this is just me musing about that, I think that people weren't as troubled with "Behold, your God," because they're willing to let Yahweh be a bit wild. But don't talk about my Jesus mm, right. that way. And my my point, and our point with this series is, it's not us who's talking about Jesus that way. It's it's Jesus who's talking about Jesus that way. And so you can believe him to be something other than what he professes himself to believe, to, or to be.
3: Yeah.
2: But you wouldn't do that with your friend, mm. right? If if Kyle, if I got to know. Kyle and—Kyle's and, bald—and I started talking about his long, flowy locks. I, that's, I mean, that's not the real Kyle because he's it's not him. So I think we do a, a disservice to Kyle to say that he has long, flowy locks. Do we do a service or disservice to you if we have long, <laughs> well, flowy if you have now? a wig, I could borrow it. Yeah. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Like yeah. what we say about Kyle should reflect what Kyle mm. believes to be true about himself and what we perceive to be true by just— what we can see in him. Likewise, I think you do a disservice to Jesus if you don't treat him as who he says he really is. But pe- would people argue that, well, you're just, you're just giving
0: your opinion well, I'm, on that passage? What I'm
2: trying to say is that these are the parts of his character in the Western world that are often neglected. If we live somewhere else where wrath mm-hmm. and judgment were constantly uh, emphasized, I would be doing a Jesus Says What series Including, you know, Samaritan let the little children woman. come to me and the Samaritan woman and right. passages that talk about his overwhelming love, right? Right. So, I, I, th- that's, we're just trying to be contextual mm-hmm. culturally, which is funny, by the way. Everybody wants you to be culturally contextual, but not really, <laughs> right? Because when you do, not then, well, then when you do, and you say, well, you say, Jesus can't, you know, be that way, you can't, don't, don't talk about him in those terms. Okay, just a little preview. This, this weekend, this sermon, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to finish the series, and I'm, I'm preaching Ezra's preaching, uh, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of disciples mm-hmm. who, who hear the words of Jesus, and then they leave, mm-hmm. which is the perfect place to end mm-hmm. this yeah. series because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, so, so do you want him? Because mm. this is the real one. Mm-hmm. Do you want him? And some will say no. Not just in our church, but in the text that we're dealing with. Some say, no, we don't want him. And then others, like Peter, where else are we going to go? Mm-hmm. You have the words of eternal
5: life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> some, Which is uh, interesting that Jesus himself, even in that text, does not... John 6 is what we're talking about. He doesn't stop people from leaving. They start leaving in droves, and he's kind of like, oh, now you guys also want to leave now, do you? So he doesn't go up and tell them, hey, stop, stop, right. stop. Let me explain. Let me soften it for you. No, no. He's, he's okay to, to
2: clarify mm. and then let people make their decisions about where it is that they want to go uh-huh. on that. And that's why we, this series was a John 6 kind of series where we were trying to clarify and let people make their decisions ultimately about what they want to do about it.
5: With Jesus they want to I mean, believe in. We
2: pray in. and we are heaven praying and continue to pray that mm. the Lord would not only clarify who Jesus is, but would draw your heart to Him in, in adoration, for not just being the, the, the one who, who the lover of your soul, but for being the Judge of all the world. Mm-hmm.
4: Hmm. Good. I think that that Psalm that was read, I think in the service, Psalm ninety-eight talked about why we worship God and because He's a good Judge, so He's going to make things right, mm-hmm. and that just really struck me. And that was a really well well placed Psalm about God's character to. His judgment is to to make things right in the world. We want that. That's why we go to superhero movies, right? We want the world to be made right. And God will ultimately do that through Christ.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, Here's a a question about uh, homosexuality. I have talked to some people on this subject and have realized that I really lack any kind of solid reason for being against that lifestyle other than, well, the Bible says it. I really feel like that answer doesn't hold water anymore and want to have some logical reason. For standing up for marriage, uh, needing to stay as God intended it to be, I'm sure if God is for or against something, there's a long list of reasons why He designed it to be a certain
2: way. Okay, can I any can thoughts? I, yes, can I jump in really quickly here, uh, and the, we're going to get into natural law in a second here, which is what what I think would be the answer to this question. Natural law is is largely a Roman Catholic uh, territory. Not, not only I'm looking at Kyle and Andy. Kind of, Roman, kind of. mostly Roman Catholics argue these days. The argument, though, is that essentially that there is a law that is good for everyone that creates human flourishing. So even if you don't attach God's name to it, which, of course, they would and say, well, it's God's law, it's good for them. Mm-hmm. And so my answer to the question is, ultimately, uh, if you don't want to talk about that, let's, let's talk about what's good for human beings, ultimately. What's good for them, not just individually, but as in society as a whole, right? And I would argue that uh, Gay... Gay sex is not good for individuals, uh, health-wise, and not good for the society at at large, certainly not in terms of, you know, perpetuating it in any way. But that's not the only reason. There's several other reasons, okay? However, I will say that I I always get uncomfortable with saying, well, people don't believe the Bible, and so we should just kind of set it aside. Uh, Okay. I understand what you mean by, because you want to try to win an argument with people or try to sway people's opinion, but ultimately... The big issue in society to me is not gay sex. The big issue is what do you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm not going to expect you to believe the Bible if you're not a Christian, but don't ask me to abandon the truth in order to interact with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, <clears throat> that's one of the first things that goes through my mind when somebody says that to me is, is okay, if the Bible is not mm-hmm. the authority in your life, well, what is? And, and ultimately, I, I want to argue that the Bible should be the authority in your life because there's good reason to place your trust in what the Bible says. Right. And so I think I find that too that so, so many people are so quick to dismiss the Bible because, oh, it's what the Bible says, as though there's something inherently wrong about the Bible. But that the Bible could, in fact, be the very Word of God. And uh, I'm saying that that's
2: the bigger issue. Exactly. Right? That's so what I'm gay, saying. gay sex is an issue in the culture. I get it. But if it elicits questions about Scripture and about truth and foundations, right? Yeah. How, do, how do we know what's true and not true? I think those are the bigger issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, So why not deal with those issues instead of talking about gay sex all the time? I, I would rather talk about those issues. And then if we come to some conclusions about those issues, I think we can end up going down some paths. Hom- homosexuality
3: is a symptom of a deeper issue rather than the deep issue itself.
1: Yeah, and I would so, call it a, pro- a secondary issue.
3: Right, and so to to stay at that comp, that level of the conversation is tempting because it's the one in your face, and it's the one that you notice. But it's not actually the level at which change will occur. So you, you so, have to get down to the belief structure and the how the how what you believe about the world will inform how you behave. But so, if we just try to change people's behaviors. <coughs> we're gonna feel like we did a good job, pat ourselves on the back, but don't actually deal with the underlying issues that are causing the symptoms in the
5: first See, place. I think maybe even uh, what, what the questioner might be looking for is, okay, so obviously, what greater authority? Obviously, you can't, there is no other greater authority that you can appeal to on these issues outside of the Bible. For the Christian, the Bible is the ultimate authority the ultimate guide for faith and life. That's what we believe. And I wouldn't even say for the Christian. I would say for humanity, period. Well, they don't
2: believe that, though.
5: Yes. So so people, people who are not Christian will not believe that. So then the question becomes, how does a Christian then demonstrate in very, uh, should I say, mm. as persuasively as he or she can? How does a Christian demonstrate that, yes, the Bible is actually the ultimate guide to faith and life? How do you demonstrate that?
1: So one of the things that I would say on, along this, first to go back with what Greg's saying, the real question we're asking is, how do you determine <clears throat> what's right and what's wrong? That, that's the foundation from which we're working from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means then uh, what, you come, what you conclude on homosexuality is a secondary issue. It's not the primary issue. The primary issue is your morality. It's, it's how are you determining what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, though, that we've got to remind people, of, and I think it's important to keep in mind, is that God didn't just speak through the Bible. That God has spoken through two works, the book of His words, the Bible, and the book of His works, nature, and that these books, we can study both of these books, and
2: so so this is a good point. So this is where natural law comes in. Yeah. What, what, in uh, the in in the common commonly accepted kind of created order, lends credence to what the Bible says about homosexuality being not good for people. Right. Sinful toward God but also not good for people. So what
1: is there? Exactly and and I would say that God created people for the purpose of being in relationship with Him primarily mm-hmm. but also to be in relationship with each other mm-hmm. and that our relationships with one another specifically male and female serve a purpose. What purpose? And so that the purpose then that we would ask is well You know, what what is the purpose, say, of uh, marriage, right? Well, the purpose of marriage is relationship, but that that relationship has a function, right? And that it leads to childbearing as... Ezra, Ezra was giving the the symbol for birth, that, which is which is either that. I, I think the symbol was for pregnancy. Well, I, was, I wasn't sure if it was that, or that Ezra was full, or that he's feeling fat. I'm not, I wasn't quite sure. So, so
2: what's good for society? <coughs> wh- but what's good for society is the furtherance of the species. So th- there, there's one that you don't actually need to be. You don't actually need to be. Um, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle has decided that he's going to carry carry through the burn imagery <laughs> further than he should. <laughs> than he should. <laughs> Ezra has now left. The, no, listen. Say. I'm just saying that the, the that that the furtherance of the species is a good thing for the species. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Of course, it is. The gay sex is not going to do that. I also think that there are f- physical problems, and by that I mean like health issues that arise out of homosexual sex. Yes. Uh, I know that people don't talk about these. I'm gonna give, a re- I'll, I'll reference a, a book that is excellent if you're interested at all in this. It's uh, Robert R. Riley's Making Gay Okay, How Rationalizing Homosexual Behavior is Changing Everything. And this book is, is great, it goes into great detail regarding how, uh, what kind of health hazards are involved in this. That if you actually took all of this into, you take the lifespan, the expected lifespan of, of uh, people who are actively homosexual, it, it's, it's far reduced uh, from from the normal lifespan of people. Far more, in fact, than even if you smoke. So, I, I mean, it's that's... It's not leading to a flourishing so My life. point is that, that these sorts of studies have been, in many ways, set aside because they don't speak the cultural narrative. Right. And I'm saying that that if you if you look at it and you just say, well, what's good for people, and just define you know health and further into the speed, these kinds of things are good for people. We all agree with that. That homosexuality doesn't do that, and that's why it's not uh, a, it's not a healthy lifestyle. Can I just add
1: to this? That one of the things that concerns me with homosexuality is that I I find that people don't see the big picture. They don't see. They'll see how this fits into a greater narrative and, and a much bigger problem that is often referred to as a culture of death. Mm. So it's not just homosexuality. There's a number of things in our culture right now that lead to a culture of death. We have uh, abortion, for example. Mm. We've got homosexuality and, and just even our understanding of gender right now. So what happens is is we begin to embrace these things in our culture that do not produce life. Okay. And what happens is, and, and, and it's interesting to me that... The, you know, those people that are in charge of countries, they get this. They, they realize yeah. You know, it doesn't take much, just Google stats right now, and you take a look at what's the birth rate in Canada right now, or what's the birth rate in Europe, or places like France. You know, France is, is, is an upheaval right now. Why? Because the the Muslim populations are are way larger uh, than than any others, and they're gaining the majority of control, and that concerns people. Well, why is that? It's because they're having children they are simply out birthing, uh everyone else right that there is an actual um, design to having you know to male and female and having children that it that it gives birth to life and we need life and so what does Canada do in response to the culture of death that we're in and the declining population that we have well we we have mass immigration now these are these are um, these are just natural outflowings of these kind of yep. thinking that people aren't thinking about. They don't realize where where this kind of thinking leads to and the problems with it. So now we've got countries like Japan right now. Take a look at Japan and just Google it, and you'll see birth, the, rates. The birth rates. They're a mess. That they are literally a dying population, and that they are that they're going extinct. Like they're not having children. So, so
2: I mean, so, so is Canada just so you know in the most recent census that's what's happening in canada i think the united states is one of the only countries around right now that sustains that is its coming population. close to sustaining it and there are many views about that. Westerns, western that largely country? is it yeah, more western yeah western, western, western problem western country issue? which is in- interesting and you think about the, the the challenge of demographics in the days ahead that here we sit in this moment in time and fifty years down the track from now you know the belief in, of secularists is that the world is going to be always more secular always more secular the problem is that usually what chi- says. children will usually adopt the belief structures of their parents. And so if you have religious people having more kids, I, I'm, you know what? If you could put money on it, <laughs> you should bet that the future is more religious. And you can see these kinds of effects already happening uh, in the clashes that are happening in Great Britain. Over uh, Islam and other like the just Islamic families and and Hindus and others are having more kids, mm-hmm. and so as a result, they're they're you know packing more punch in the in the populace, and that's going to be a big change for those places, especially for Western liberal uh, ideas, that many of those
5: people just don't have. And those ideas will die.
2: <laughs> well, to some form of them will. There will probably be some. Uh, you know, merger between some of these faith traditions and liberal democracy. But. So, so
4: here's my, I mean, what, what an oh, opportunity though, for the, the church to mm-hmm. welcome mm-hmm. people who are coming to Canada. What an opportunity for, yeah. as, it's a mission field. Yeah. Uh, mission fields it's are not here. Uh, overseas. They're right across the, the, the hallway or right across the street, which is something that we as Christians can take a great, you know, advantage of and, and utilize those opportunities mm-hmm. to share Christ with, with our neighbors. So, well, here's, so here's one last thought for people just to think about.
1: If abortion and homosexuality are good, then why can't we all participate in them? And, and the, the reality is that if we all participated in abortion and homosexuality, that'd be it.
2: Yeah. The, the only way that you We've can define done. it as being good, ultimately, is if you define anything that self-actualizes as good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean by self I yeah. Meaning yeah. that the fulfillment, hierarchy fulfillment of me... And so, so if done, you define right? that as the greatest good, then you will say that any kind of sexual practice that make that actualizes me, or any kind of activity that actualizes me, is the greatest good. Uh, the problem is that the society has never, until now, defined good as self-actualization. And so, what's underneath all of this? Most of our culture is this. Uh, enthroning of self-actualization as the greatest thing that there is that means to that a,
1: materialism leads to a culture of death as well right this, this you know consumerism and this
2: narcissistic right. tendencies that we have in our right. culture and so you you can be self-actualized and uh and not be happy <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know if people actually realize that but we still put limits on that yeah right like
0: there's certain things you still can't do even if it makes those, you happy those will fall well, and that's the point. Be, yeah, actually it
2: has to. Because the, the self-actualization doctrine is a, an acid that re, e, eats through everything. Yeah. Seriously, it eats through. The, it, the church is heavily influenced by people who believe the preaching, the ministries should be all about self-actualization. I am the, the centerpiece of my own play mm-hmm. and God, my supporting actor. And he is there to make sure that I am promoted and I am made good. You just listen to the prosperity teachers. Listen to so many of the of the large mega churches in the U.S., especially these days. God is giving you a dream, and he's all about your dream, as opposed to saying, "No, God is actually the main character, and you, his supporting actor, and your job is to promote his and and these. This is again. a different. This that's Christianity. Yeah. But that's very different. So uh, my point is self-actualization as the final highest good and goal is actually bleeding into the church at every crevice. And, uh, you know, it's going to continue to happen in the society at large. Just If you want to know what the future is going to hold, just figure out what the most selfish thing is. One thing is that people that's going to make people, the individual, most uh, satisfied in himself or in herself, and that's where it will go. Do you, do you know what's interesting about this? Is that in a lot of
1: countries like Japan, for example, uh homosexuality is not the issue and and i actually it'll be interesting to see how this develops but right now in a lot of countries that are seeing this worked out to its fullest is is what you're finding is people that are just living by themselves they are fulfilling their own needs taking care of themselves and they're not interested in in relationships uh they're not like the government right now in japan is trying to not that i'm picking on japan it's just it's a good example yeah good examples they're encouraging people to date yeah you know, they literally are having campaigns encouraging people to stop playing video games, get out of your house, you know, <laughs> that that you, you know... Meet somebody. Meet somebody, yeah. And But the problem is, is we live in a culture right now that if I got sexual needs, well, there's pornography and I can, you know, mm-hmm. take Dude, care of myself. Dude, I can be
2: self-actualized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All by me, myself. All by myself. Yeah. Keep my It's narcissism. Games. Totally. <laughs> it's narcissism worked out to, oh, its, to its fullest. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We... Uh, By the way, I'll give you some books on this that are really uh, fun to read. Mm -hmm. One of them called The Narcissism Epidemic. It's got a little bit of salty language in it, but it's a great book. It's by uh, Jean Twenge. Twenge spent T-W-E-N-G-E. So uh, The Narcissism Epidemic is what it's called. She wrote one before that called Generation Me, which is lots of fun to read as well. If you want to make fun of millennials like John Rendell, you 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 can do that. You can read that book. But they're really good, it, she's, she's delving into, she's not a Christian, she's just delving into some of the challenges that exist in this hyper-individualized society, uh, yeah. And you know, gender now, this is, this is why gender is changing, or why we don't believe that there is a gender binary anymore, because male and female. We, we, because I have the right to actualize myself, and if actualizing myself means that I feel like a woman today and a man tomorrow then that's what I am. If I feel like a dog the next day, that's what I am. If I feel like a whatever, that's what I am. And you have to tell me that what I feel is the right thing to feel. And how dare you tell me to change the way that I feel about myself, ever. You the way gotta, I feel is yeah, right, you is you got to accommodate me, too. Because it actualizes me. It makes me feel fulfilled. Hmm.
1: It's a great lecture on this as well by Dr. John Mark Reynolds called uh, The Death of Christianity in Great Britain, if you want to... Get more information on that.
2: You can Google that. You think that's available online? Yeah, yeah, it's online. Jeff,
3: you you said a line, "Packing more punch in the populace." You do and I think that should be Andy's next book.
1: Nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's by the way. That's the kind of thing that Kyle would have done. Packing more punch in the populace. Andy he he would have thrown the peas together, wouldn't you, Kyle? Creation.
4: I have a Baptist background, so it. it when just, I was a Baptist background, that's. <laughs> Okay, it's, hold the, it's the
2: best. Hold on.
1: I noticed something, Greg. We yeah. have a men's retreat coming up. Yeah. Uh, that was a shout out for you. But oh, we've you. got, uh, the speaker is Brian Hurlbutt. Yeah. Last name, best ever, but. All name uh, team, really. <laughs> if there's an all name team, he's captain. He is captain. <laughs> uh, but this guy's awesome. I love this guy. But he wrote a book, and it's. That book is one of the most interesting titles I think I've ever heard. It's Tasty Jesus, and I noticed on the on all this stuff, you only put the Tasty Jesus. You didn't put the subtitle, which is
2: oh yeah, predilections. Yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> Something about a predilection. Yeah, Tasty Jesus. Freeing Something. our predilections from our predilections. <laughs> You know what? He doesn't even know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're gets what, your attention. If you're
3: if you're a guy, you should come to the Mensa treat. We're gonna have a blast. It's gonna lot be of good. People. Jeff, well, Andy, they're all going. Darsa, I don't know if you're coming. Whatever, you will let me know. Uh, one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna see who can sell more books. Brian <laughs> Hurlbut's bringing a bunch of his books. Hey, Whoa. dude, I'm bringing there, mine. There's a box in your basement.
1: <laughs> Bring it. It's a dusty one in my basement i'll bring it out we will see what loser we can... provides the fire <laughs> <laughs>
0: i got some of my old uh, resources that i used to uh, sell
2: no. oh could so darcy both. just could, right now put his... threw his name into the ring <laughs> wow.
1: now we're doing we're actually doing a podcast live aren't we i think we're going to do at least one maybe two
3: live podcasts yes
1: those will be kind of optional sessions <laughs> for guys to come With to. we're going to make it
3: optional
1: that's oh, ridiculous oh, yeah. is it optional for me, me to be have there have to be no. there
2: <laughs> well this is uh this podcast yeah. is dying a slow death now. Cuz I brought but, up packing yeah, the punch like, in the popularity really? yeah.
0: cuz he mentioned the men's retreat. Yeah, that killed
2: it. that killed it. I
1: officially killed podcast 205. <laughs> you packed more yeah.
2: punch than the podcast. <laughs> oh. Just so we so No, before it. we leave, before we leave, there's my last little well, salvo. Thought, no, no, I got last thought little salvo. You've already killed it. Kyle Meeker when I first met him, he passed the paper on to me. He passed the paper. It was Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it, the predilections were powerful. So Kyle passed this paper <laughs> on to me, and it was on uh, it, it was on pacifism, and it was titled "Pass a Fist." Oh, That's yeah. clever, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, I twenty five. <laughs> Who is this guy? Pass a fist. Pass a fist. Yeah, <laughs> I it? get it.
1: Oh, I get it. Yeah. So, what, what it's kind ridiculous. of mark did you get on that? <laughs> it's don't ridiculous, know. but I Did you pass?
4: It. Um, I graduated, so <laughs> at one point I passed it. Yeah.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking was, all the way through if you have. That's quite amazing, actually. Any more questions? Send them to Extra. Wait, we haven't given Rendell a chance to say bye. At dog. Hey, hey,
2: thanks a lot for having me today, guys. It's awesome. It was great being here. <laughs> thanks, John.